Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show. Brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market. He's Ramon in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm Dan Kovacevic in downtown Pittsburgh. And Moan, it's Steelers versus Browns. Maybe their last game of the season. Maybe, uh, maybe. not. But listen to the conversation we're having in week 18 after this team started out two and six. Yeah. Uh, you want me to roll with this one, DK? Because I can, man. I think this is awesome. All right, here we go. From Miles Jack today, man, um, it was reported as saying, Miles Jack kept saying he was waiting for the Steelers to panic when they started two and six. I've been to other places, and it's like the house is on fire. Everybody's about to lose their job. Mortgages are at stake. But here it is. But here it was like, let's just continue to get better and see what happens. He continues to go on and says, I was like, are they going to bring the fire alarms around here? But not. It's been smoother. We worked even harder, put our heads down. When we won, we didn't say much. When we lost, we worked even harder. Tomlin's got the right formula. That's why we came back. You know, take that from a guy who came from an environment in which the fire alarms were either on all the time, depending on your perspective, or no one even bothered to turn them on. Yeah, and he said said some real stuff, though, because when you lose, everything's at stake. Mm-hmm. And when you're at a place like real the stuff. place, yeah, real stuff, like legitimately, like you got to start positioning yourself. Like, are we about to like change? Is my coach about to leave? If my coach leaves, then that means I'll have a different guy that has eyes on me. There's a lot of that. And I think even we were, you know, we referenced a lot, DK. We we were two and six before. And we even the thing up then. And again, we said, how do you navigate this? Well, Coach Tomlin had been through this, but truthfully, I want to give more credit to the players and, and not necessarily just Miles Jack. Like he recognized it, but guys like Cam and TJ and Cam Sutton, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the Deontay's been in the situations like this, like offensively, there are some younger guys around that haven't been that way, but like Mika understanding it, like nobody panic. It's so easy for the players to panic because he, Miles Jack was right. When you lose, you try to find reasons why are you losing, and those really appear higher than almost anything else. But nobody in that locker room panic, and that's where I'm like with the players. Tip the hat to them, man. I understand this Coach Tomlin's philosophy, but you got to have the right type of guys around to handle that situation. Well, that's the part that I, I think is really it's great to emphasize today because there's going to be from all different corners, and rightly so, people praising Mike Tomlin and saying, "Hey, you know, the head coach, everything starts with him." He was the one that, <coughs> excuse me, pushed all the right buttons and everything. However, however, somebody has to go out onto the football field. Yeah. And this group of players, you mentioned a, a few of the names. I'm going to throw in a couple others uh, on the other side of the football. Najee Harris was a guy who really stepped up as a leader. He was the one at the bye week who got the offensive linemen together and said, what do you need? Yeah. Tell me what you need from me. Wow. Okay. And then in turn, I'm going to tell you what I need from you. <laughs> and then we're going to work together with the wide receivers. This was a lot of this was on Najee. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it up for Mason Cole, who was the, the, the winner of the Chief Award this year for, for his work with the media. Not for that reason. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But because no one cares about how easy our jobs are, right? He makes right. it easier. So great for Mason Cole. But. M- 
infinitely more for what he was able to do with the O-line group and then with what Pat Meyer was able to do. Uh, these guys have given, the line guys have given credit to Pat Meyer. James Daniels said this week that everything started with him. He was the one that kept us grounded whenever things weren't going well and everybody was piling up on top of us. Uh, it takes the village. It takes yeah. everybody uh, to do this. I also want to be careful to not go overboard. The team's eight and eight. Okay. They are. And, I, and, I, and I get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. The two and six doesn't get erased. No, no. But, but they, they, they did make something of it. And they most did. teams and wouldn't. Most teams wouldn't. And that's the thing, too, man, is when you, you, you're you facing that far under 500, like that is a long – I'm talking about a long journey back. You win one, you get the three and six. You're like, oh, let's go, three more. And then you'll drop one. You know, like that's, that resets you. The, the mental fortitude of guys inside locker rooms, they got to deal with that as players, man. It, it, it gives, honestly, an appreciation for what that mental toughness like, like talent is. That's something that's kind of thrown around a little bit. What's mental toughness is trying to figure out how do you go win games after you are two and six. It also shows to the leadership of the group, too. Like, okay, we won. That's nothing new. That's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. You know, that's one thing that Miles Jack just kind of alluded to. It's like, yeah, it's not a, a, a big celebration. It's a feel good, but it's right back to work the next week because being that far under 500 when you are the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, that's embarrassing. We can say that, DK. Like, that's not expected. I had a guy who was a beat writer uh, at the University of Tennessee just kind of throw around some organizations that always stay steady in times where it's probably not your best year. He said the Steelers was one of those organizations. The Boston Celtics was one of those. And he, uh, the, the St. Louis Cardinals is one of those organizations where they always find ways to really just get out of the, the sewers. Oh, I'd and, have to throw in from a Pittsburgh standpoint, as long as you're mentioning all the major professional sports, yeah. that, that the that the Penguins are definitely one of those two. Play, playoffs yeah. for 17 consecutive years. I mean, that's nothing to just, you know, roll your eyes at, DK. Mm -hmm. That's big time, and I think you got to really consider the Steelers and the type of players that they get and want to play for those organizations. I've dropped this time and time again, man, about – uh, one of my best friends who played in the NFL too say, you don't understand what it means to play for that organization because you've only been there. And mm. I've seen other guys That's coming really at good. room. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've seen other guys coming at room um, you know, from other teams like Miles Jack that says, Yeah, it's just different. I much rather just, you speak, know? Yeah, Miles Jack, this we were in um Indianapolis and the Steelers had had just beaten the Colts, and it wasn't the prettiest game. You remember it, Bone. Oh, it, yeah, okay, but not many of these have been. But they had been three and seven, and this made them four and seven. And Miles Jack and I do remember sharing this with you at the time. Pulled me aside and said, "You watch this. We're not done." Wow. And I'm and I'm going, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, you know, they, they, they squeak one out against the Falcons, and then they yeah. lose a really tough one to the Ravens, and then they squeak one out against the Panthers, they squeak one out against the Raiders, and they squeak one out against the Ravens, and here they are. But all of those have been W's, and they've been W's that have been built on a foundation that, in essence, was created for the most part this season, Moan. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... DK, I, I definitely want to touch more into that, and specifically the game this weekend, too, and how you got to really box everything in 
Uh, this is it. I'm looking forward to this next segment. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Oh, and so much good football stuff to talk about, and I mean good, because DeMar Hamlin apparently is in relatively good shape under the circumstances, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, really cool updates to, uh, that we ended up getting, man. Uh, just the fact that he was up now. Uh, we, we learned that he's squeezing hands and moving feet, moving his toes, and, and is, you know, communicating, too. One of the coolest things was they have a paper and pencil, you know, it's that advanced technology that they have that he can communicate with. And uh, here's a guy that died on the field, right, DK? And then again in the hospital, twice. Yeah. Which is insane. And um, one of the first things he's asking the doctors, I I hadn't ever been knocked out like this, DK. So I couldn't tell you, you know, other than surgery. And that time goes back super uh, fast. But to him, he was out and now he's up. So the first thing was on his mind was the game. He asked, did we win the game? Can you imagine that? And the doctors had to tell him, you won. You won by living. You won in life, man. Can you, can you imagine him probably just like, what? What do you mean? What happened to me? You died. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing story that's only going to become, I think, more amazing over the course of the coming days and weeks. And obviously, uh, to this extent, you know, we're, we're doing this show just three days after the, the incident happened Monday night in Cincinnati, and uh, it's just a totally different dialogue right now. Uh, absolutely incredible. It really it, is. It is. And uh, so I, I, I saw that tweet from uh, his doctors and whatnot, right? And I mm-hmm. actually, uh, as, as now, I think everybody can breathe a little bit in the sense that, you know, he's going to be fine, uh, barring any setback and stuff like that. And I, I tweeted out about, you know, people wonder how guys who – played this sport for so long, become part of that 1% of guys that make it. And I think if you look at his first question to the doctors, that's it. You know, it it really is. Guys, I don't think mean what happened to him, like they're willing to die for it. Uh, But there is a level of sacrifice and mental fortitude that you have to have to actually achieve those goals. And um, in a smaller sense, because compared to what he went through, that's what this football team is facing this weekend in the sense of, facing the Browns in an in a, in a aspect of trying to claw out of something. And this is going to be an interesting one against the Browns this weekend. Uh, be this group's first time against Deshaun Watson uh, as a Cleveland Brown, uh, seeing how they're going to handle that. And as good as this offensive line has been playing, uh, I looked at the injury report for the Browns. Uh, Miles Garrett has just had rest days for the last couple of days. And how are they going to be able to handle this trench monster? I won't deny. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. What's that? The question when Pittsburgh faces Cleveland is how is Miles Garrett going to handle Dan Moore? (laughs) Let's get this right, okay? Yeah, but I'm with you. I'm with you. But the fact that they've rested this guy. These have not been interesting, okay? And Dan Moore is not the perfect left tackle. Yeah. Okay? He is not a completed product. But when it's Dan Moore against Miles Garrett, Garrett just disappears. He's just yeah. gone. You, you want to hear what's interesting? Mike Adam used to be able to do that against uh, when he saw J.J. Watt. It was Crazy. interesting. Crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, and, and due respect to Michael, I mean, Michael was not 
you know, all you. pro right tackle here. Okay? No. But man, sometimes you just have somebody's number. Did you it's, have somebody like that? So like a great uh, player? Yeah, did I have their number like that? It's not coming to mind right now. I'm sure they probably thought that I was just out there blocking them, you know? <laughs> uh, but but never had a guy that I was like, I just got his number. I, I would say, Gino, but I respect him too much. We had some back and forths. That's actually why I asked. Yeah, because I yeah, thought you mentioned Gino. Yeah, Gino Atkins, had some really for anybody good, who doesn't yeah, know what Yeah, Gino Atkins. We had some really good back and forths, man. He get me, I get him. And it just got to a point where we were just like two bulls just ramming and just like, okay, I see your crafty moving. I'll match that one. You know, it was one of those situations. So, yeah, I enjoyed those matchups with him a whole mm-hmm. lot, though, because it was a big challenge to me because he was an undersized D tackle that was quick. I'm a bigger guard that has to utilize everything that I have. Uh, first time I remember going against him, I tried to just outpower him. I tried to, like, snatch him into the ground. And, you know, he was his short in stature. I pull him down, and he just rise right up, and he went through my shoulder pass. I said, never again. Uh, I remember Harold Goodman, uh, our assistant offensive line coach at the time. Yeah, Goody. He he. Okay. I, I was telling him about it. He was like, yeah, you got to change up your game plan. This was after the game. He was just more or less, now you see it, and we got to switch up from here moving forward. So that, that, that was one of those situations, and I did adjust to that. Um, but, but this weekend, the Miles Garrett effect, that's going to be the biggest question mark when it comes down to Dan Moore. And I, I mentioned that, DK, in a sense of all marbles on – all chips in the middle of the table this weekend. Is it not? Mm-hmm. This is the challenge. Uh, also, to stay above them in a division, too, this is the challenge, man. And there's a lot that has to be met, including stopping the running game. Yeah, I think uh, to me that's the bigger issue by far. Um, now that said, as much as you and I will praise Nick Chubb, and we do it a lot. Yeah, Nick Chubb is the second leading rusher in the National Football League right now. Mm. Okay, number one was Josh Jacobs, who the Steelers just completely erased. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I think that's what this is going to be all about. If the Steelers can stop Nick Chubb, and that's asking a lot. I'm sorry. With all due respect to Jacobs, he's not Chubb. No, he's not. You yeah. remember watching that game, and they just they just churned out the Steelers in that game. Chubb just decides he's not going to get stopped. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? And, and he's a big back. And you got to mm-hmm. – and this is where, honestly – uh, that reckless abandonment that Coach Tomlin spoke about, you're going to have to have a little bit of that this weekend because it's late in the season. Uh, you got to have guys who are quick decision makers to go up and tackle Nick Chubb. I think Mark Robinson's young enough right now that he don't understand what he's getting himself into. I'd expect to see him and Spillane a little bit more considering the way Cleveland's got to see themselves out of this game. It'd be foolish of them not to want to run Nick Chubb and and and, and their other uh, back, Kareem Hunt again. Like yeah. Mark mm-hmm. Robinson's got to go ring that bell this weekend. Yeah, I think you're going to see a return to the Robinson slash uh, DeMarvin Leal formation that was shown against the Ravens uh, to mm-hmm. great effect. And why not? Because if you're the Steelers, first of all, you're not worried about the Browns knowing your secrets. No. And secondly, if it worked against Baltimore and John Harbaugh watched it and really couldn't adjust to it, Oh. What makes what makes you think Kevin Stefanski's going to? I, I just you know I I, I think I, I think you're going to see 
the Steelers be more effective against the rush, but I also think you're going to see the Browns get more than their share uh, of, of yardage on the ground. So that, to me, is the big one. It really is. This one, to me, also says home game. Um, it, it, it says Akershore, whether you call it Heim still or whatever. This is a home game. It's not freezing cold this weekend. This one is a, a, a hate week type of matchup. And I am ready to see this one, DK. Well, I, I, I also think there's a chance that the Steelers are going to be a whole lot more invested in this game than the Browns will. So let's not re- remove that. I know. The, the you, Browns have nothing to play for. And you got Miles Jack. I mean, uh, Miles Garrison. You know, if they can't make the show, then we can't either. Well, buddy, you still got to go play. And thanks for that bulletin board material, too. Yeah, yeah, there's that as well. When we come back, the only segment that matters. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show and the only segment that matters, which is brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where three expert chefs fine-tune every detail of every menu item so that every sub-burger, salad, wrap, drink, and app is crafted for crave-ability. Order your favorite today at the Get-Go Cafe and Market. Better believe it. Moan, today's entry comes from, from Daniel, who says, Hey, Moan! I wanted to ask if maybe the Steelers made a mistake in getting away from the running game a little bit in Ben's later years of his career. Mm, I've always toyed with that one, that one question right there. You did Uh, more than toy with it when you were playing. Yeah, we did, man. Uh, And it's this, I guess, the reason why. Ben was good at the short game. Ben was good when we were no huddle. Uh, those five yards at a time signified passing. You know, I mean, run yards. So you can kind of put it mm-hmm. in a box of just moving the chains, you know. Uh, and we could still pass protect well. We were pretty good at pass protecting. That's one thing that we were good at for, you know, especially the second half of all our careers. We were really good at that. Yeah, so- I was going to say, that didn't go into a slump or a slide. It just it- didn't. It didn't, and I think it was let Ben dissect. That's one thing he could do, man, like his smarts and and which he could see stuff. You know, when he had the ball in his hand, it worked in our favor more. Um, And then, of course, that was the beginning, I think, more of a passing league, Uh, especially from that time on, we had pass-catching running backs too. Le'Veon kind of really pulled back the covers on that a little bit in the sense of like, hey, we can move the ball – by having a, a fifth, sixth weapon on the field and a running back. Did, so did, did we get away from it soon or, or too soon? You can say yes. I, I think so because the run game still controls the tempo. And then if you don't hit that first and uh that first down, first and ten on that that first pass, then second and long is a long way to do business, man. So the tendencies in which we started throwing the ball, I would challenge that. As far as, you know, first and second down opportunities, maybe not establishing a run on first down as much as we should have, that can always be brought up. But when you got Ben behind quarterback and he can spin the ball as, as good as anybody, that's a hard argument to, to really go up against, though. The Steelers' last three years before Najee Harris's arrival all had James Conner as the primary running back and those were hit and miss mostly because his availability yes was hit and miss 
Um, when people say things like, oh, look at what happened to James once he left the Steelers. No. Okay. Yeah. James, James stayed on the field more. And you can say back and forth whether he was brittle, whether or not he did something to put himself. I mean, it's hard to imagine James having been in better shape. But doing things to make sure that he's addressing certain recurring conditions or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, Moan, that through that time, I mean, James wasn't available. I you really wanna, think that, yeah, that that was more than anything. You want to hear something that's interesting? So hmm. uh, you guys know I'm in Nashville, and they did a joint practice with the Titans. And I got an opportunity to see Beach. I saw, you know, Humphreys, uh, the right tackle or the left tackle for the four uh, them. I saw Coach Coogs, and I was, I was really wanting to see James. I saw James. And I'm sitting there talking to him in the lobby, asking him how he's doing, man. I was like, how's AZ, man? You know, what was that like for you to have that transition from Pittsburgh, your hometown kid, you know, mm-hmm. to go to AZ? And he said something that really kind of hit me differently in his approach to going out to Arizona. It was this. James said, bro, I, it, it's been good for me to be in Arizona. He's like, I needed the warm weather. He was like, with, with how I went about my career, he's like, when it got cold in Pittsburgh, as long as the season was, in a sense, like my injuries, you know, they went up. He was like, because it was hard for me to just get warm, stay warm, huh. be in my mode. And I was like, huh. That's from an eerie kid. That Yeah. But, <laughs> but when you get totes like that in the league and you get hit the way you do and it's different from college and it's not 12 games, preseason, a month and a half longer preseason, plus, you know, 16 games, 17 games now. I was like, that's a business decision, James. Like, that's smart on you to kind of recognize what's good for you. And you say to yourself, well, he goes plays in cold weather. Yeah, but the day-to-day grind of, man, loose muscles and and rehabbing and just weather conditions for a guy like him, it was smart for him to kind of recognize that a little bit more. So you're right, it was his availability. Those days in Pittsburgh, man, where it gets freezing cold and you're practicing in joggers the entire time or heavy sweatsuits, I'm not sure how it works, you know, for them because I'm big skill, but small skill guys, you got to think their their muscle fibers are a little bit different. It's not making an excuse for them, but if I told you that, that makes plenty of sense, doesn't it, DK? You know, I, I guess it might. I also know that the the human brain is a really powerful thing. Yeah, that's and true. That if you believe that you're feeling better or healthier in a certain setting than sometimes you just are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also know that if the state of Arizona had miraculous healing <laughs> powers over football players, everybody'd be signing with the Cardinals every year. <laughs> well, I'll say this. That's why a lot of guys practice in Miami and Arizona and California though, too. I can appreciate where yeah. the eerie eerie kid would have been comfortable in the 115 <laughs> degree heat. Uh, year after year. Let's get into your prediction here for the weekend, Bone. What you got? Uh, I got the good guys. I got the Steelers winning this one. It's it's me, all set up. Give me some points. Get you give you some points. Real points for once. Against you know, that defense. All your 13 to 12s and everything else here. Come on. I, I've been more close on those than I have ever saying anything over 20. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> I had the Steelers winning last week 5 to 2. You. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wasn't that far off. Yeah, you idiot, man. This game right here. Let's go Steelers 24. Yeah, 24 points. Why not? Kenny is the reason why, too. Oh, I was going to say not two Minka pick sixes or something. No, okay. Kenny's the reason why. Uh, 
24-21. Okay. Well, that sounds like a fun AFC And, and the 21 game. because I, I do think the the Browns will be able to run the ball. They really uh, will. And that's where I'm, you know, really putting up that aspect of it. And I don't think they know much or can do much about what they don't know about Kenny Pickett right now. Then there's that. Then there's that. And plus, there's the Dan Moore factor. I like that. We need, to send a, we need to send a copy of this one to Dan Moore. We do. <laughs> This isn't about Miles Garrett. It's about Dan Moore. 24, 21, <laughs> and Dan Moore. Let's do another one Monday, Moan. Absolutely. DK. Happy weekend. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah.